Okay, welcome everyone. My name is Adnan Shafi, and I'd like to welcome you all to a new episode of Pariah Nation. Today we have a very special guest all the way from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Nicole Vessel, and she is a protester. She was protesting this whole past week uh, about the George Floyd murder and systematic racism in the U.S. in general. So would you like to just introduce yourself um, and briefly what you do and what your relationship with the Black Lives Matter movement is? Yeah, so I am Nicole Vessel. I'm 17. I basically, um, in a, I consider myself a Black rights activist. I started my platform on TikTok, and basically with Black Lives Matter, I am just considered like a teen activist. So I go to protests. I try my best to join like council meetings, and yeah, basically that's what I do. Yeah, thank you so much as well, like for taking time out of your day and your busy schedule to do this. I know you're also working as well. So like this is like on the like double on the load as well. But yeah, that's thank you so much for taking your time out. I think obviously as an African, this topic uh, for me is very close to my heart, uh, especially because I'm also black as well. And it really hurts me to see that, you know, 8000 miles away, the people that are still struggling with the idea of race and being treated differently because of your skin color. So could you give us a bit of insight or like, um, just give us a bit more insight into what it actually means to be a black person in the US in general? Have you experienced any form of systematic racism? If so, let us know. Um, so basically, um, being black in America has been almost the same as when it started. I think that Slavery was abolished and rules were made, yes, but there's just been so many ways to loophole that and still be racist to this day. I don't think racism ever ended. I think it was just evolved, um, mm. especially when you can easily just be racist and just gain a power, a position of power, like being a cop or being president or, you know, any of that. Um, it makes it a lot easier. And I think that especially with... Um, like being black in America and as a teenager, especially in like this time, it has become really prominent to a lot of people. Like obviously with everything going on, like people have realized that this is wrong, that this is actually happening. I think it's a lot easier to just think that it's not happening, especially if like you're white, you don't have to like think about it because it doesn't affect you. But um, being black in America is really hard. There's little different ways people are racist to the, on the daily. Like I've obviously... My life has never been taken from a police officer and um, I have never been a part, like a victim of police brutality, but there's just little ways that teenagers are racist to each other. Um, white teenagers disregard a lot of um, black teenagers and a lot of schools that are more predominantly POC, they're super underfunded, extremely underfunded. Um, and it's just it's sad to see it's wrong to see um it's really hard yeah it's really hard yeah thank you thank you for that and i'll also add additionally like i've done my own reading up on the subject and actually seeing like what i hate the most especially about conservative arguments is that they blame it on this abstract um you know notion of black culture so you know people somehow seem to just forget that you know, even after the laws changed of civil rights, there was this idea of redlining where banks would literally zero out areas in which they would deprive them of investment. And then all of a sudden, 
those areas are still suffering from that today because as you said, um, schools that are majority POC are underfunded. And obviously that means that the teachers are probably less paid, less motivated to actually teach in class. Thus students have less motivation to pass class. And then that end up, ends up leading into a life of crime. And then there's obviously over-policing in the neighborhoods. So people really don't understand why that makes such a difference when you can literally bring up stories um, from your grandparents in the States, for example. I've heard some people talk about how their grandparents were deprived of opportunity while other white people were literally given a leg up by the banks. And this was a whole system. So you can't really just say that it doesn't exist. So what would you say to people that obviously don't think that white privilege exists in the United States of America? I would say that one, if you don't think that, um, cops are racist towards people of color like the fact that it's so like mind-boggling and everyone's so like wow i didn't know that could be a thing when a police officer is kind to a black person just shows how racist the system is and also if you don't think you have white privilege and if you just look at any of the protests if you've gone to a protest when they're um, when the National Guard is throwing pepper spray or shooting people when there's a line of white people in front of the black protesters, they all, they just all of a sudden stop. They just stop. And um, people love to say that George Floyd wasn't killed for his race, but the thing is, the police officer had 13 charges against him, and they were all people of color, and they were all hit under the rugs, rug, slid under the rug. But, you know, when a black police officer kills someone who's white, they pay for it. They get the time. They get the penalties when these white police officers are just going off without any type of punishment. And honestly, white privilege is, it's been built. It's the reason that America is the way it is. It's been going on for hundreds of years. And I think that the reason people love to think white privilege doesn't exist is due to white fragility. And they just don't want to have the uncomfortable conversations. They don't want to admit that, everyone should be equal because equality to them is going to feel like oppression. Mm. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that stuff happening and uh, it's quite unfortunate, to be honest. You see things on uh, whether it's TikTok or Twitter, people are like, oh yeah, now we have to have a white out day. And like, people just forget that even on apps like TikTok, you start to see that it gets a bit fishy when over 50% of the top 50 creators on TikTok are actually white and TikTok recommends people through its algorithm based on the way you look. And obviously the race with the most numbers will obviously win because there are more yep. white people on the app. So there's a higher chance of you getting into the top 50 by the fact that, you know, more people are likely to follow you. So obviously when people say that, I also get quite, uh, quite irritated. And also even like you mentioned that cop um, that was actually the, the black cops pay for it. Most people would be like, oh no, but where are your statistics to show this? According to my research, at least, uh, when I was dealing with um, cases in Minnesota of uh, police killing unarmed people, regardless of race, actually, just saying uh, killing unarmed people in the last decade, the only police officer that has been arrested and has been given a very long sentence, even compared to other white officers in different states, was I think his name is Mohammed Noor. He's a Somali police officer. They put him in for 12 and a half years. Meanwhile, you still have the people like the cop that like murdered Eric Garner. He's still like on the loose. Like they don't care. They just fired him, and that was the end of the story. 
What do you think needs to be done in relation to these police officers um, in specific? Well, I think what the police officers have already done, what they have done, I think they deserve jail time. I don't support the death penalty, but I think that if you take an innocent life, and especially if it's been on camera or, you know, there's just straight out evidence, they deserve jail time. I think that the whole police system needs to be defunded and demilitarized. Um, it's really hard to think about you know there being no police system but i think that's what people will misunderstand like when we say defund the police demilitarize the police we don't we're not saying that the police need to go we're saying that there needs to be complete reform like the way that police don't need as many out like a barber needs more hours to become a barber than a police officer needs to become a police officer like cut hair and use a gun and protect the city like those are very different things however the responsibilities for hours wise is completely different. And I think that's part of the reason why so much of this is happening and um, police, the system hasn't changed since, you know, slavery, like police were made to catch slaves. And um, especially with the 13th amendment, um, like it says that slavery is illegal unless they're arrested. And then we sit here and wonder why so many black people are arrested. It's because then when someone is arrested, slavery becomes okay. And mm. now that so many black people are being arrested, they're just like, this, that's just a loophole. It's another loophole in the whole constitution. Yeah, no, I think I'll also add some stats to that, which I found very interesting. Uh, there was a study done by the University of Michigan that actually, it was quite shocking for me to read it. And um obviously as a man of color as well, I can't imagine living in the States and these stats are applying to black people in the States. Uh, so for example, um, an innocent black person is 12 times more likely to be arrested for a drug charge than an innocent white person is. And also another one, which is quite controversial as well, is that an innocent black person is three and a half times more likely to be charged for sexual assault, even when they're not guilty. And the last one as well, most, um, I think it's uh, for every single uh, black person that's been put in jail for murder, they're 50% more likely to be innocent than a white person of that murder. So if those facts don't really speak volumes to whoever is listening and they still deny white privilege, for me it's a huge issue. And obviously this is all, as you said, undermining this whole system. I mean, supporting this whole system of white privilege and the idea of like modern day slavery, which for me is quite, it doesn't really sit right with me. And actually we're gonna move on to, I guess the protests, like what are the, what is the main goal of the protests? I know it's not necessarily just justice for George Floyd, there's other names that have come up like Breonna Taylor and obviously Tamir Rice, all of these different names has come up. Right, but there's also like a wider scope, like systematic racism in general. So what are the goals of the protests? Um, I think it definitely started out with George Floyd. Um, the fact that the officer was just suspended was completely irrational, completely terrible. And then after I think a lot of people started talking to each other, I think white allies and black people and just everyone in the um, alliance and the community um, started talking to people and just the amount of people who have lost family members due to police brutality is way higher than anyone would have ever thought. Like, I would talk to, like, 12 people a day and, you know, they would have lost, they've had lost, like, five, six people due to police brutality, um, even, like, unjust police brutality as well. Um, 
And I think that just sparked an outrage. And then the fact that the police were being racist while we were protesting racism was beyond all of us. It was just like, their true colors are just coming out. And I think that also sparked a huge outrage, um, seeing little kids get pepper sprayed, seeing little kids get shot in the head with rubber bullets, um, white supremacists just roaming out and about causing ruckus and the media blaming it on the black community. It's just, everything was just like, it's crazy that this could even happen. And like, peacefully protesting, I was peacefully protesting, and they just started throwing um, tear gas and pepper spray and rubber bullets and just smoke bombs, and it was just like, we, by the Constitution, have a right to do this, and yet you're the one prohibiting us from doing it, and that was just completely crazy. Yeah, no, actually, when, perhaps maybe you can tell us a bit more, like, I've seen the videos online, they're really crazy. I heard one story of someone literally saying, I think it was in Kentucky, they said white shield, right? And white people came in front and all of a sudden the national guard just stopped, right? And for me, it was really like, you know, you see images like that and they just don't make sense to you. So um, give us a bit of a timeline, like what exactly happened? Because I know that the media is definitely not telling the full story. And it's quite unfortunate that I've had to go to TikTok and Twitter to get more reliable um, sources of information, you know, straight from the protesters themselves. So what exactly happened at the protest? How did they turn violent? How did buildings end up getting burned down? Um, what was your response to that? Yeah, so the first day was the day after George Floyd's death, and we went to the um, Minneapolis 3rd Precinct, which is where the officer had worked, and um, we were just chanting, we were just saying, no justice, no peace, Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, there were people, um, talking about their experiences and, um, the police were just standing there. They were laughing. They were just, you know, doing their own thing. And then all of a sudden someone from the roof, like on the side, threw a water bottle down and then they just started shooting things. They started throwing things. They just started running after us. Um, and we were all running away and they kept throwing it towards us and it was just extremely hard to breathe. Like it was just, um, as if they were just trying to, like they had been waiting to do this. Like nothing was stopping them. They wanted to do this this whole time. They were just waiting for some tiny little reason to do it. Um, and yeah, I remember going home that day. My face was burning. It's just tear gas can be extremely lethal. Um, a chemist proved that, um, and the rubber bullets are actually not rubber. They're just metal with a thin coat of rubber. Um, and, yeah, I remember that day. I just went home. It was really hard, especially, like, as a teenager. I remember I just, like, heard sirens. Like, I was extremely paranoid. Um, it's really hard. Like, fighting for your rights as a 17-year-old, like, that shouldn't be a thing. Like, fighting for your right to live just shouldn't be a thing. But it is. Um and I remember, yeah, that happened. And then the second day I went back, the same thing happened, like literally the exact same thing. Um, and then the third day, the reason that looting started is actually from an undercover police officer. They broke in, they started breaking the glass of an auto zone. And then the looting started happening. Yeah, fires, arson, all of it um, started happening. And 
um, then it actually moved. So I'm in St. Paul and it actually moved to University Avenue, which is like extremely close to my house. And um, they started looting things there. And mm. so my friend lives on university. So I was going to pick her up and um, just so she could get away from everything. And basically I was walking by a furniture mart and I just, someone smashed the glass and the glass just like hit my face, it hit my legs. Gosh. And like my hand was extremely bloody, it's healed now, but um, there was just, it was so crazy. It was really scary. And um, I just like ran away and there's just people, Grand Theft Auto, so much Grand Theft Auto. People don't know how to drive. They're driving through everything. Cars were being crashed. People were driving into buildings to open them. It was out of a movie, honestly. And um, then I get my friend and we're walking in like a back alley and all of a sudden we just see like a hundred, so many National Guard just in front of the furniture mart. And me and my friend are both black and they had their guns pointed at us and we were just like, we are 100% innocent. We have nothing to do with it. Like we're not, we're not a part of it. And, um, they literally were just like, we were walking to our car and they were just like pointing their guns and following us until we got into our car. And then I just remember speeding away so fast. It was like, we have nothing to do with it. And yet you want to hold me at gunpoint. Like I, there's nothing in my hands. Obviously if I robbed a furniture mart, I would have like a couch or something, but that happened. And it was just, it's so traumatic. It's like sad to see it breaks hearts. And I remember they had just heard gunshots and I was like, someone definitely like that's a gunshot that is not a rubber bullet like rubber bullets have a more airy sound and that was definitely a gunshot and um just seeing the police use lethal force on black teenagers white teenagers any type of teenagers just disgusting um especially when undercover cops are the ones that started this whole thing um and then white supremacists came in that day from oh, texas wow. from Alabama, Georgia, everywhere. And um, they started looting Black-owned businesses and setting those on fire. And that was kind of what started, a, like, I, want, I don't want to call it a race war, but that's what started basically just everyone against racists um, because they were burning Black-owned businesses. And basically like people started like spotting who was a white supremacist like they have certain like things and i remember there was an account that was supposed to be like a helpful one but it's actually run by a white supremacist so they were like if you see someone who has an orange band around their arms and they're a white supremacist but in reality those were medics so medics were being like beaten up medics were being their stuff is being stolen um and that was crazy until someone was like i'm literally a medic and everyone was like that's false information um, it just, it's so hard to see what is going on, especially like I was on the 35W bridge and basically we were protesting there and all of a sudden a tanker truck comes in through the highway and no one got hurt, thank God, but it was traumatizing. Like the police were like, the police gave us permission to do it. The police were block blocking off every single entrance and exit and we were all just like, the police definitely let them in. Um, killer cops are real. 
and basically the organizer was like I thought we had an agreement and the cop was like it was just a misunderstanding and it's like a misunderstanding that could have costed multiple people's lives um for fighting for their rights and it was just it was so traumatic like the amount of people who like that just like it showed how strong our community was because people were taking care of each other they were grabbing each other like let's go let's go let's go we all ran up um and yeah that was like the big thing that happened and then I go in the media and I see that they say that the tanker truck was on the highway before and wasn't aware that this was happening and just accidentally was driving 80 miles an hour on the crowd and then the off, uh, driver actually got off with no charges and I was just like this is crazy this is real this is what happens this is America and yeah it's basically just like what most protests have been it's been like a white supremacist or a killer cop or a cop in general does something and they're not held responsible for it, which is what we are trying to prove. They're just proving our point. Gosh, yeah. First of all, I'd like to thank you for being so brave. First of all, being a minor in most places and most states, uh, you going out and actually protesting for what should already be given to every single person in the U.S., which is like rights, just equal rights, right? Thank you so much for being able to put your life on the line um, for that. And obviously, yeah, you've, you've kind of gotten injured in the whole process. I can only imagine what that actually is like. So I'd like to thank you for that. And obviously, I can see that there's a clear disparity between what we're seeing in the news and uh, what is actually going on, like on the ground. Because I remember seeing that video on TikTok and uh, for anyone listening, if you haven't really seen that video, just look at the, the video of the tanker going through people, right? I think it's a huge, huge issue because um, these cops, what they think is going to happen is that, you know, as long as no one catches it on camera, they're fine. And even sometimes when they catch it on camera, things are fine. Like, I'm pretty sure that you've seen that video of the old man getting pushed and then somehow he starts bleeding. And now, only now, a couple of days later, um, they'd, they'd lied about it as well. They said that he tripped and fell, all of this different stuff. So I think, I mean, if I was to compare this to anything, I'd be comparing it to the same way, like, you know, the way the U.S. responds to governments like Iran, all of these other governments that are allegedly, you know, uh, cracking down on its protesters and like they're being um, too brute forced, all this different stuff. I definitely saw those colors of the U.S. today. And like, um, my question to you would be, um, what... Like, um, you said that the police were trying to start the violence. On how many occasions was this? Were the occasions in which were the protesters were the ones that started violence? Or was it a deliberate effort by the, both the media and the police to paint this as a black, uncultured, in quotes, riots? Um, yeah, I think that there were definitely rioters. Like, I like to think of the difference between protesters and rioters. Um, the rioters were definitely present and like they're a thing like they were definitely like they're opportunists there but um in minneapolis there was a news reporter i think he's on five eyewitness news or something he was playing gunshots through a microphone that was obviously scaring so many people and that started like commotion and like rioting because if you're gunshots you're going to do something and um 
it was just like there's so many videos and people that are like oh there's this um there's actually this dude who holds an umbrella he's like completely faces closed except for his eyes and he's caught breaking into the auto zone like smashing the windows and smashing so many other windows and then people decoded him and he's actually a saint paul police officer and it was like wow wow okay and it's just like the news would never catch the peaceful protest the news would never catch george floyd's memorial and how beautiful it was and like what's going on there they would never catch the peaceful marches they would never catch any of that because that's not that doesn't catch people's eyes it's not what people want to see and it's like if people want to see violence you are putting other people's lives at risk for views like that's terrible like that's disgusting and the media just twists it every time um every time people just especially fox like they just kind of do what they want to hear they you know cater to the republicans the conservatives and um it's been dangerous yeah um white supremacists have been threatening my neighborhood with everyone that has like a black lives matter sign they're like they you get like a letter and it says like your house is next. People don't like the Black Lives Matter sign. Make sure you take it down or your house is next. Like, they've been threatening to burn things. They haven't yet because they're just kind of all talk, but, like, they're definitely present. They're definitely here. It's definitely crazy. Um, They throw, like, water bottles full of gasoline and, like, fire starters, and it's, like, there are still people in this world who genuinely believe in white supremacy, who genuinely believe that it's right and that it should stay. And those are the people that, you know, are on the wrong side of history. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's just shocking. I mean, like, so you're telling me that they legit sent um, people letters literally threatening their livelihoods and their establishments. And like, I think the worst thing is perhaps, um, you get to see the media's true colors um, because the media is essentially, and what I've learned, especially this week, is the media is pandering to political authority, right? So I saw this video of um, obviously the NYPD. I think they've probably been one of the worst this week in terms of police brutality in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they, there was this video, I'm pretty sure that you've seen it, where the NYPD are running through a crowd, essentially like they've, they have their cars and they're running over like pedestrians essentially, right? And CBS literally cut half of that. Um, so obviously my message to the viewers, obviously like it's, it's, it's so important, especially in such, um, such instances to actually make sure that you're covering um, you know, the content that's, um, you, are you, sorry, you're looking for content that's like more or less on the ground and decentralized. It's not getting filtered in any way, shape or form. Because for me, it's quite, quite unfortunate. And also another thing that we're hearing, and maybe you can tell us whether or not it's true, is that there's some people that are, I mean, first of all, are, are the media themselves being targeted? Like, I think we saw a couple of people being arrested. Are the media being targeted by police as a way to try and get cameras off of the scene? And at the same time, um, when people are being arrested, are they being afforded their proper rights? Um, so, yeah, they have been targeting the media. They've been shooting at the media, arresting the media. Um, and when people are arrested, basically they are zip-tied 
and they're extremely tight. People have lost circulation to their hands. They're kept in extremely dangerous situations. They're either like they sit on the ground for hours. They are in like metro buses for hours. Like they're not given food. They're not given water. They're basically just captives in something and um they raise the bail basically based on like if people have been writing like bail numbers on their arms so if they see that then they raise your bail um and the bail's just kind of been so it's so disgusting it's just like if you are peacefully protesting why would you be arrested and there people are being arrested before curfew they're being arrested for literally just protesting for black rights which is disgusting um i know people there's the bail project that's been helping a lot of people get out um but just the fact that people are being arrested for wanting to live it just kind of shows america's shoe colors are coming out very much yeah i think even just just watching it from from this far i mean i've been going through my tiktok feed and i think i saw uh, I think I've seen three or four videos so far just talking about how people are being deprived of their rights even though they've been arrested. Some people have been arrested. I think there was one dude that was kneeling down in LA just spewing his heart out. Absolutely nothing wrong, right? And they just arrest him for no good reason. And obviously, like in the US, that is a clear sign of, you know, uh, someone's First Amendment rights being curtailed. So it must be a really... It's a very difficult situation that a lot of people are in thinking that they're going to protest out there and, um, you know, you might actually just go to jail for no good reason and get that on your record. And like, also one thing I'll probably ask, you've talked about minors being uh, attacked as well. What's been the general attitude towards minors from the police? Um, they are very weird, honestly. They... <sighs> They tear gas us and they shoot us, but they don't really arrest us unless, like, we're in a crowd with a lot of people. Um, They, Gen Z, honestly, has been doing a lot, like, talk-wise, like, protesting, like, saying words and doing, like, actions and, like, speaking from the heart. Um, And I think it's really cool that, like, a lot of the marches in Minneapolis, especially, they've been, like, um, youth run. They've been run by Gen Z, and the adults are kind of just, like, chanting with us, but then there's just, like, people are writing poems. People are, like, expressing the oppression that they feel as a Black person in America through their art, and I think it's so beautiful. I think it's amazing, and a lot of businesses, they've been, like, boarded up, obviously, just to make sure that they're not being looted, um, but they, like, ask people to, like, write graffiti on it and, like, make it just a beautiful mural. And, um, yeah, I think that the police are very, they're still super aggressive, but they can't really argue with facts. Like, we kind of just spit facts through different w- works of art. Um, and I think it honestly just kind of has them more speechless than, like, angered. Yeah. Yeah, no, much agreed. I think uh, I've seen a lot of the art, whether it's on TikTok, even that whole George Floyd picture where they have uh, the flowers and everything. That was actually Mm -hmm. a Palestinian artist. And, you know, 
um, I'd like to also salute you guys because you guys literally started a wave of protests that have literally reached even my country out here in Kenya. We've seen uh, protests in Cardiff. We've seen protests in London, Berlin, Tokyo, you know, all these different places. So like Gen Z is definitely having uh, a say in like all these world affairs. And like also I'd like people to note that, you know, when we say social media is the future, like we literally blacked out Instagram and Twitter and most of the social media platforms for nearly a day. And when people started, um, I think it was the White Lives Matter uh, hashtag, K-pop, <laughs> K-pop fans literally came on there and like they put white, you know, they, they, they basically filled it with all random nonsense. And uh, yeah. I think obviously our generation has done so much. What's personally been your your favorite um, moments? I, would, I wouldn't say favorite, but obviously you know how Gen Z makes a joke out of almost everything. What have been your favorite um, moments coming out of the protests? Um, I would say the um like the amount of people that are just making fun of Trump. I love it. I love to see it. Um, yeah, and just like arguing with conservatives is always my favorite thing to do. Um, people that just blindly follow Trump, it's really fun to like debunk everything that they do and believe in. It's the best thing. Um, like the fact that Trump, when we need him, is in a bunker hiding, mm. is like, are you really gonna tell me that you follow this man? Like, He's y'all's president. I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think there's, uh, on TikTok, there's been a whole lot of anti-Trump content that I've personally witnessed. Uh, It's quite hilarious as well. Like, you know, I've been telling people that um, the amount of people, I think Anonymous came back in quotes um, last week and they've been posting content day after day just um you know bring up all of these scandals of these major leaders and major conservatives and all this other stuff so i think definitely there's been that interesting stuff i think one one extra thing that is definitely going to go down in the history books is um i'd say uh the way gen z loves to meme almost everything so we've seen <laughs> we've seen people literally twerking in front of um, police officers. Uh, people literally just uh, there's all of these TikTok memes that people are doing in front of police officers. Um, you know, people making jokes, dissing police officers. It's really interesting to see how Gen Z protests. So, like, have you seen any of that uh, being done, yeah. like, like personally? Just tell us more about it. Yeah, I know. There's just a lot of people that walk by. They're like, blink twice if you're not racist. And all of them are just staring. And everyone's just like, so you're racist. And there's like that one officer that's just like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. And then we're just like, quit your job then. And he just like goes back to like a blank face. And I'm like, what we thought. That's what we thought. <laughs> and then there's just people that are like dancing while it's tear gas is happening. People throwing them back. Yeah, we kind of just, Gen Z really thinks this is just like, like we watched movies about this our whole lives. Like this is nothing completely out of the blue for us. Yeah, definitely. I think when you grew up on movies like The Purge, um, <laughs> like, you know, all of these movies about the apocalypse, all this other stuff, like overthrowing the government, it definitely gets into your mind that, um, you know, revolution could be a possibility. 
But I definitely think it's like, it's a really interesting part to it. And actually speaking on it, a couple of hashtags have been generated from this movement. Um, one of them being ACAB or like all cops are bad. Like what's, what's your opinion on that? And like, um, do you think it's referring more to individuals or the system? Like what's been your personal experience with the use of the hashtag ACAB? I think that it's not going at the individual because there are definitely cops out there that aren't bad. Like, it's obvious. We've seen it before. But the fact that, one, either the good cops don't say anything, they just sit, stand there complicit, and, two, they're still supporting systematic oppression and systematic racism um, means that they, like, all cops are bad. And I think especially um, – it's been proven that black voices just aren't heard. They just, people don't like to hear black voices. Um, if we sat there and we're like, most cops are bad, they'd be like, yeah, okay, great, good to know. Like, we know. But like, no one would care because we're saying most. But if we say all cops are bad, that not only makes people turn their heads, but it sparks conversation, it sparks an argument, it sparks awareness. And I think that's kind of where it came from. Um, but also just the fact that like, they all support systematic oppression. And there definitely have been cops, people that have gone into the system wanting to change it, but then they get brainwashed, they get trained to then just be another person that participates in being a police officer. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd further like just say that, um, yeah, I think hashtags like this are very similar to those like, for example, men are trash, right? Or, you know, put men in cages 2020. Um, I think obviously um, I, a lot of people ask me like, why doesn't it happen? You know, what, why wouldn't why wouldn't I say that about like, let's say all black people commit crime? You know, I explain to people that it has to do with people in privilege or people in power. This is what refers to them. If it goes the other way around, it definitely counts as a stereotype and it's oppressive. But when you when you're unheard, the only way sometimes after like, you know, death after death after death, I saw someone on TikTok drawing a whole cardboard of these names that have been, you know, people that have been killed by the police, all this different stuff, right? Um, you know, when all of that is happening, you need to just, by any means necessary, as Malcolm X says, get the attention of the so-called, like, you know, oppressors, the privileged ones, right? And by all means, that that's what ACAB actually stands for. It is the broken system of the policing system, right, in the US, right? Um, so we'll move on to the last two questions. Um, the, la the first one is like the conservative response to generally like black murders and all this different stuff. Uh, and the last one will probably be about like the way forward. Um, so Candace Owens, I think you probably know Candace Owens, right? She's a black conservative. And um, a couple of days ago, she basically said that I'm not comfortable with George Floyd being this martyr, or this sort of hero, because he's had a history of violent crime. And therefore, you know, I, you know, obviously what the police did, it was bad, but, you know, I'm not going to support him as a person. What is your opinion on that sort of statement? Is it taking away from the important message? What do you think about it? I think that so many conservatives tried to, they refused to put the blame on the cops, so they put the blame on the cop, but then they victimize, and I mean, then they like criminalize the person who is dead. You, it's literally disgusting to criminalize a dead human being. Um, I don't think George Floyd has become a hero. I think it's just the fact that this has happened again and again and again, and especially in Minnesota, like, Philando Castile died, like, 
a block away from my house and basically like we protested peacefully and we you know tried making a change by peacefully protesting and where are we five years down the line we're marching for another dead man like the amount of and the amount of people who have died in between like it there is going to be a point where everyone just breaks there's going to be a point where everyone's just like i'm sick of this i'm done with this this is so disgusting like it's not george floyd it's not just george floyd it's literally 400 years of boiling emotion oppression um murder just people getting away with being completely like dehumanizing a whole race that is why this is happening it's not because we're looking at George Floyd as a hero. We're looking at George Floyd as a brother that we have lost due to police violence. And it hurts like crazy to have to put another name on a shirt, another name as a hashtag, like the amount of hashtags that we've probably missed and the amount of people that have been murdered due to police, enough has to be enough. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I agree. And I think even just conservatives like Candace Owens, they they really do irritate me in the sense that we understand that this person may not have been perfect, but you seeking to like, you know, dig up all of this information about maybe their dirty past, right? Um, and then using it as a way to deflect attention from the main movement is a classic conservative move of trying to say that, you know what, uh, we don't want uh, the black people to have any form of pain that is justified, even though for the past 400 years, we know that there's been systematic oppression of the black race in almost all corners of the globe. So I find it very disingenuous for someone like Candace Owens, like a person of color, like a black person to actually come out and make such statements. For me, it's quite, it's quite offensive. And I think she definitely needs to check her stance. And now we're going to move on to the last and probably the most important question that has been, you know, surrounded by all of these protests all around the world. We know protests do die down. No, one's, no one has the energy to protest for a whole year or two years. All that's different stuff, right? Instagram is eventually going to go back to normal. Twitter is going to go back to normal. What do you think, right, are the main ways in which people on an individual level can combat systematic racism? And uh, what is the way forward in addition for the Black Lives Matter movement? What do you think is the way forward? I think Black lives should always matter. They will always matter. I think that um, spreading awareness is one of the biggest ways to do it. I think that especially if you're white and you have a um, platform with a lot of white people, spreading awareness can really change a lot of people's um, views and make them more aware as people i think that going to your city council meetings or going going to meetings in general that have to do with the police system or just the um, way money is spent is super important especially just to know where your taxes are going and where your money is being put um and knowing everything that's going on is also super important make sure that you you know like protest sometimes like i want to have like a march every single month because black lives will always matter and there i am fortunately i don't think that george floyd is going to be the last black person that is murdered by the police um 
I think that just making sure that you don't just stop here because we are so close. We this is the farthest we've ever gotten. Why would we stop here? Why would we stop now? This is this is the revolution. Um we just need to keep going. It's not some kind of a sprint. It's a marathon. We got to keep going. It's tiring, but you know, black people have been tired for 400 years. I think we can just keep going. Have those uncomfortable conversations with your friends, you know? Um white fragility is part of the reason why we haven't gotten farther than we have like you can be uncomfortable until black people get justice because we've been uncomfortable for again 400 years like let's just like put everything down remember that we are equal and love each other and yeah yeah no i think that's a very powerful statement i like the idea of constant like protests it may not be as usual but i think obviously yeah just building that sort of um, awareness amongst your community is definitely something that's going to help in the long run. And unfortunately, you know, we can't, due to the fact that this system is still in place, it is undoubtable. And it is unfortunate that another unarmed black person will most likely be killed. And perhaps um, I'll also add my own thoughts to it. I've been talking about it for the last um, perhaps few weeks. I've really been thinking about it. Like why, is Black Lives Matter sometimes not taken seriously, right? And I always say this to, the, to, the, to everyone that I talk to. I think one way, perhaps, um, and you can probably also, because you live in the U.S., you might be able to actually enact this, is to centralize Black Lives Matter, right? The moment that you centralize it and make it into a nonprofit organization, you have um, a Black Lives Matter office in every single state or even every single county, um, you are able to actually get grassroots change being affected within communities, doing classes, all of this different stuff. And then obviously when you can be able to reach out to whether it's rich, um, rich people who are able to like donate to Black Lives Matter or anyone in general, you get mass crowdfunding of this uh, nonprofit organization. And with this money, you can use it for so many useful things like uh, funding lawyers to get people who have wrongfully been convicted and it's disproportionately black people out of jail, right? You can have uh, a business wing in which way you can actually fund black businesses who might not be able to get the same loans as white businesses in the US, right? You can also be able to fund these schools that uh, the majority POC schools that you're saying are not primarily well-funded, you can use this money to send people to college. And the last most important thing, can use this money as an organization and one big block of people to lobby government into actually legislating with all of you guys. And obviously, like, if you could pass those ideas on, it might actually help in some way, shape or form. (laughs) Yeah. I like that, yeah. So, like, that's basically my main thing. Like, if you all can centralize out there, like, I'll obviously do what I can from 8,000 miles away. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like that's definitely um, my, my main idea for this whole thing. And in closing, would you like to say anything before we wrap up the podcast? Um, any last messages to the viewers around the world? Um, I would say to make sure that you are loving your Black friends, make sure you're checking up on them, because especially during these times, Black mental health is really hard to maintain. So just make sure that you're loving everyone, um, especially your Black friends and you know, telling people that you love them and continuing to fight for justice. Okay, thank you so much, Nicole, again, for taking out your time from your busy schedule. 
Uh, this has been Pariah Nation. We hope that you've enjoyed this exclusive episode uh, focusing on systematic racism in the US and also specifically the protests. Um, again, thank you so much for being here, Nicole. And thank you again to the viewers for listening. And we will see you next time.